life has been like since about May of this year. <laughs> it's crazy. It's been really crazy. I was really overwhelmed by all of the attention that I got. And I kind of, I went into hiding for almost all of July and August. Really? Like, seriously, I spent like... You can get a little, yeah. I, I, I spent like a couple, I would spend like... I just kind of got scared of the world and it's yeah. like I stopped using social media and I like laid on the couch and it was just like I just I had like I don't know like a vulnerability hangover sure. or just kind of felt very exposed. Yeah. Yeah. Um I can't I can't even imagine the feedback <laughs> that you must have got. I mean I assume I assume mostly positive. It was really overwhelmingly positive, yeah. which is a great which was a great surprise. Like when I first kind of got online, I would like look at the comments like through fingers. Yeah. And then about a week in after the article went live, I made the mistake of Googling myself. Mm, mm-hmm. And I found this like forum of like, what I can only assume to be old men that were just like trash talking me. Uh, mostly about my looks, which I thought was weird because, like, there was yeah. even a picture of well, that's being just being that's it. just being a lady on the internet. Yeah. You know? I mean, that's that, that's the article aside. Like, that's just yeah. being a lady comedian, right? Yeah. So it was like just getting dragged for my looks, and then like they all had these like uh, bald eagle avatars, you know. <laughs> oh, so goodness. it was like this kind of like right wing. Yeah. And they had found they had found one clip of me doing stand up where I'm doing jokes and jokes. Are you know you come from a place of truth inside yourself, but uh-huh. jokes comedy is heightening, you yeah. know. So it's like it's not funny that if you almost fall, it's funny if you fall sure. on your face sure. and then also break something, you know. And so that's like the the basis of being funny. And so they took they saw some jokes that I had done about my life and myself, and which were heightened, and they were kind of like, "Well, she's obviously a liar," you know. And I'm like, "Do they do they not understand what a joke is?" <laughs> It's, it's kind of fascinating to kind of feel like you're suddenly this out you're you're out there in a way that you yeah you wanted but also you didn't anticipate what it would be like when well, it what was what was uh, you know you 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 wrote uh, obviously a very personal story yeah um, what what was what were you what were you anticipating I was just like just I kind of like, another story in the yeah, pile yeah just like the, it's the internet yeah. like there's sure. 50 billion things on the internet, you know? So I figured it was like one more pebble thrown into an ocean of just noise. And so I wasn't expecting it to kind of, uh, make as big of a splash, I guess, as it did. So what, what prompted it? I mean, I guess a better question is probably, you know, was this something that you had spoken about publicly at all prior to the article no no no, it wasn't i in fact you know it was something that even like on a personal level i didn't really share with a lot of people because people get weird with you you know like when i first moved to new york i kind of made this like vow to myself like you're never gonna tell anybody there about yeah anything like you're gonna keep it completely secret and then i get kind of tipsy at like an office party thing and told everybody (laughs) (laughs) and then like a week later someone came up to me and they were like hey did you hear there's this new like amish woman who works here and i was like really at first and then i realized wait i'm the weird amish but but but, you know but but you were passing right i mean at at the end of the day like if somebody was coming up to you you were doing a pretty a pretty good job yeah definitely i mean i had practiced that for a really long time you know and so i never intended to be so public about things um but 
I just was really frustrated with the way that the story was kind of getting covered in the mm-hmm. media. And I kind of felt like there were the it was coming down to these kind of very bipartisan political lines. Mm-hmm. So you had Republicans or conservatives who were like, hey, leave him alone. He's a good guy, you know. And then you had the liberals who were like, ha, 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 you're a hypocrite. You yeah. know, and there was this like intense like mountain of schadenfreude that mm-hmm. was kind of built, you know, like building up. And I wanted to be like, hey, why don't we talk about like what this actually is you know like this is a dangerous organization and this is a inherently misogynistic lifestyle and we can like promote it on television and act like it's cute but there's a really seedy underside to this that i think doesn't really get seen was you know you you did you did a couple of articles you're working on the the book right now i mean this is something that was always kind of like percolating in the background though, though that at some point you would maybe be ready to talk about this yeah you know i mean i guess i kind of the book was kind of where everything started but yeah. it didn't really it was never in, like originally intended like this is gonna be a book it was just like this is you know i was just writing about my personal experiences and that's what they are you know and you can't change those yeah. and so it's like if you're going to write about something and it's going to come from you you have to be honest about who you are and where you come from. And so I was trying to kind of do that and exploring that in writing. Um, so I always knew it would kind of come come out and be a part. Mm. Um, I just wasn't expecting it in quite, yeah. quite that per- capacity, I guess. Were you ready for it? Were you? Were, no, <laughs> no, no, no. I was like, I was, like I said, I like, I free, I was really excited at first. And then I just kind of started to freak out and I got really scared and I, I hid yeah. and, um, I felt very overwhelmed, you know, and, and so, so I definitely, I don't think that's something you can ever be ready for, you know, like that, that feeling of becoming like pub, a public commodity yeah. or a public property. You know, the, uh, obviously this, as you were saying earlier, you know, the, the basis of comedy being truth, there's a little bit of, um, I don't know if irony is the right word, but, you know, if like if you're kind of keeping your best stories under wraps, I mean, it, in in a sense, like those are potentially the basis for some <laughs> for some like really good raw comedy. Right. Right. No, absolutely. I mean, I think that's like they're the basis for why I want to do comedy yeah. in a way, because like, you know, like humor is a way to deal with it experiences sure. that are difficult and i think also too like humor is something comedy is one of the very few things where you have like a very distilled voice mm-hmm. in something and so you're able to kind of create a voice create a point of view express your opinions in a way sure, it's that, just it's you on stage alone, right yeah. it's much more immediate than like trying to create a tv show or mm-hmm. trying to write a movie or something like that you know and so i kind of i kind of craved that i think because i never really felt like i, I had a voice or was allowed to really talk about what I thought or what I what I felt and those are things I'm still trying to figure out like who who am I and what yeah. do, what do I think and what do I feel you know were, were you <laughs> did you have to sort of like bounce jokes off of people as far as like them being relatable like hey <laughs> you know how sometimes you know you grew up in a cult because <laughs> 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 you know, like, you're, you're sort of like you're, you know you're like kind of re-entering the world and oh, having yeah. these experiences and and you know in a sense you don't really it's hard to know what percentage of them are actually universal yeah, I definitely, like, I wrote uh, about a, a very long bit. It was about an eight-minute set one time about about being homeschooled. <laughs> and I, when I first started doing it, it was getting all these laughs, yeah. and I thought it was really funny, you know, and it was mostly making fun of myself. <laughs> but then it just kind of, like, one day it just, like, this something, I don't know if it switched inside of me, yeah. or an audiences started, like, 
really hating it. And so they would just kind of go, aww. And like one lady screamed out, I feel bad for you, <laughs> like during the set. Yeah. And so it's kind of like you, you think it's funny because it happened to you and you're like trying to mine it for humor. Yeah. But other people are just like, oh, fuck that's terrible <laughs> i feel bad for you so it's a difficult kind of line to walk also yeah i mean you, you I, you've got to be sort of revisiting that a bit too i assume as, as you're as you're writing the book i mean yeah. as, as a comedian um i mean is, is it going to be a funny book it, it's intended to be yeah. well what what i have written is really funny I think it was, it was intending sure. to be funny. Yeah. Um, and I've done it at readings, like public readings, and like people have just been dying laughing. Yeah. But then after the article came out, I got approached by a bunch of uh, literary agents about the book, you know, and so I would send them what I have. And pretty much everybody like kept rejecting it because they were like, oh, wait, this, we don't want a funny book. Yeah. We want a serious book. They want kind of a lifetime movie, like sure. sensationalized kind of serious version they don't well, they don't know, want a funny book about and, it and to be fair like what you put out there the, the was, articles were yeah not, yeah yeah they, they were not, not funny if, you know <laughs> if you were laughing at them there was probably something wrong with you right um how do you how do you walk that line how do you talk about something like that something as serious as what was dealt with in the article and make it not only relatable but something that people can laugh at where they're not like again just feeling bad for you the whole time right uh, that's such a great question and i don't know that it's something that i've really figured out yeah. quite yet how to like like what's do. a good like what's a good example of a story that you told that you think is like is is funny more funny than depressing i guess i think that like perhaps like i i tell a story about how um like we were taught that like cabbage patch kid dolls were made by a warlock mm. And so that, like, as they came off the, the factory, you know, the little factory line in China, this Xavier Roberts who created them would yeah, stand yeah, yeah. at the end and, like, put demons oh, God. inside of them. And so it was, like, this this massive uh, conspiracy to, like, the children would, like, hold the doll and then de a demon would come out of the doll into the person, into the child, you know, and then you would be demon-possessed just because you had a Cabbage Patch Kid doll. And so I think that's pretty funny. <laughs> It was really scary when I was seven. Yeah. But it's also kind of funny, you know? Yeah. It's kind of funny to think that there are people that are being raised to, like, believe in witch... I was being raised to sure. believe in witchcraft, you know? Yeah. Well, sure. I mean, you know, like, there's there's the Harry Potter thing. And right. that, I mean, that's, that's... I guess that's a little bit more of a universal experience, right? It's Or at least, like, mainstream as far as, like, conservative right. thought goes. That, oh, yeah. That's a way of, like, pushing witchcraft. This is just, like, that, yeah. like, moved completely. Definitely. And, like, we weren't really, like, allowed to watch things yeah <laughs> but my parents would watch stuff like when we went to after we went to sleep at night <laughs> my parents would watch tv and so my mom like for like the longest time would like walk around the house and she would be she'd just be like you know cooking or cleaning or something and she'd say wayne's world excellent wayne's world and i just thought she's weird because sure. <laughs> it made no sense yeah. to me and then i went to the mall with my grandma like a couple of years later and there was like a movie poster for like the first wayne's world movie and i remember thinking like they've stolen our joke yeah <laughs> and so it's like being that kind yeah. of isolated that yeah. you have like no idea what's kind of going on in the outside world i think it's kind of funny how, how old how old were you when it, it went from scary to funny <laughs> 
Uh, I think still it goes back and forth. Sure, sure. But at what point did you realize that like this, this is, is not this is not how normal people think? I think like when I started going to college and mm. I made friends, like really good friends, yeah. and I would tell them stories about it, and we would kind yeah. of just like laugh, and they would laugh, and I would say, and it kind of made it okay for me to laugh, and I would be like, oh, okay, yeah, this is. This is really weird. Was was that a transition that you made on your own, or, was, or did your family move away? Uh, no, I made that on my own. Um, so I, I left home. I moved out of my parents' house, and you know, like got a job and was you know doing my own thing. Um, and it was really difficult for me to get into college, actually, yeah. because I was a third grade dropout. You yeah. know, basically, I was actually like underqualified to work at Walmart because like, you have to have a high school diploma. I know I tried, <laughs> but so I uh, eventually like I got a GED and I went to community college for a couple of years and I did really well there. So I was able to get a scholarship yeah. to a four year school, um, but I did that all on my own and I've got the. Um, student loan debt to to prove that. So it's it, it was really hard, like going off to. It was really difficult for me. Like college felt like kind of like basic training, yeah. like real person basic training, because it's like not only are you in the classroom for the first time since you're seven, which is a huge adjustment, sure. and you're learning things and like being exposed to things that you don't really understand or really know about. Um, but then you also have like the weird social aspect of college, which you're completely unprepared Yeah, I mean, college for. was like that for me, and yeah, I didn't, yeah. I grew up in a very different situation. And then you're, and you don't have any parental yeah. or financial support while you're doing it. So it was just kind of, it was really, really hard. It took me a really long time to get through college, sadly enough. But, but, but college and and kind of like exploring the the broader world was a decision that you made yourself. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So I. Um, I kind of knew that if I, you know, stayed with at my with my parents, that I would get married off to a guy yeah. in my early twenties. Maybe I mean, if I was lucky, like most of the girls in our church got married like at twenty, you know, really young, and then I would have kids, and we weren't I wouldn't be allowed to use birth control. So basically, I saw the girls that were like a couple of years older than I was, mm-hmm. you know, basically being married off to guys that they had never had barely knew, you know, like God would call. Because it's it's arranged by God, basically. Mm-hmm. God tells the guy, like, hey, that's yeah. the girl. And then he calls you. <laughs> He's the wingman. Yeah, he got your wingman, exactly. Yeah. Um, I'm like, I don't think that's God that's telling yeah. you that. <laughs> I think that might be another part of yourself. <laughs> but then they call your dad, and they're like, hey, I want to court your daughter. And then the father has, like, yes or no. And so, basically, it's kind of between the guy and the dad. And so... You can say no, but if you say no and your dad wants it, then they, like, I saw girls, like, get a lot of pressure put on them to, like, then marry this guy. Um, and so, like, one of the girls that was just a few years older than me got ended up getting married off to a guy, uh, by God, <laughs> that she barely knew. Mm-hmm. And then, in, like, by, I think it was five years of marriage, she had four children. Mm-hmm. Like, on her, fi- on her fifth wedding anniversary, she was, like, pregnant with her fourth child. And so that was kind of like my future. And I was just like, oh, no, I need I need something more than this. I need something better than this. And I had no idea what that was. I just believed that there had to be something better than that. Did did you did did you see enough outside to start kind of connecting the dots that like, again, the cabbage patch thing that there are certain elements of things that like are don't really make a lot of sense 
I don't think so. I, I mean, sort sort of, kind of. You know, definitely there were there were. Th- it was more. It wasn't. It's hard to describe. I I don't think I intellectually. I don't think my intellectual doubt. Uh, was as quick as my emotional doubt, mm. if that makes sense. Yeah. So it was more like I just didn't want to sure. do those things, yeah. less than I was sitting there very rationally thinking about it and thought, like, well, here's the logical fallacy in this argument, you know. And I don't think I was that yeah. well educated. Yeah. To do that. Yeah. Yeah. And, <laughs> and your parents were okay with all of this? No, I don't think so. Yeah. I mean, they very much. They've always, you know, I think really resented the fact that I didn't, mm. you know, get married and have children and not, and I went to college and, you know, like there was never any support for me. There's never been any support for me in like any of my decisions. Like they never helped me with school or yeah. said good for you or cared about it at all or ever asked about it. You know, it was kind of, that was something they thought of like me going to college was something that they think of as like shameful. Mm. And so like in our family, you don't talk about things that are shameful. <laughs> so we just kind of like never yeah. talked about it. So it's like, I have this whole life that's like something that we don't talk about and like who I am is something that we don't talk about. So it's very, it's very disconnected. It's interesting though, like this idea of them, them going, waiting until you guys are asleep and watching like, Mike Myers movies, you know, alive, yeah, because yeah, it's just it's just this like this idea that you know like that they kind of maybe want a little bit more than what they're being given. Yeah, that's an interest. That's an interesting way to look at it. I mean, I think that in my experience, at least, anybody that's involved in like an extreme religious situation, like nobody can follow those rules, yeah, all the time. And so I think that there was there was always there's always some hypocrisy, mm-hmm. you know. But it's a kind of a funny thing with parents. I think when they when they believe that stuff, they might be willing to break the rules for themselves, but for their kids, sure. they're like, "We want better for you." And the yeah. version of better for you is stricter version of the crazy religious stuff, you know. So it's like my parents, you wouldn't they used birth control, but then they told me it was evil, and I could never do that. So there was always this kind of disconnect, which I think was very common in those circles like there were families at our church that you know like there were strict like dress codes and there were families at our church including ours at times that would wear like shorts which Mm. was very considered very sinful and very wrong um but then they would just do it when they weren't around the other people from the church which is kind of funny if you think about like an adult hiding their behavior from other adults, yeah, you know, yeah. like, yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> not really that uncommon that it does. So, <laughs> there's, yeah, yeah, there, yeah. there's, there's, I mean, obviously, of like differing degrees, but there's, there's kind of plenty of that in the world. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm, I'm curious about this shopping mall experience. I mean, was that, was that common? Going to the shopping yeah. mall? I don't think we went. I didn't go a lot. Um, I we spent a lot of time. My brother and I spent a lot of time with our grandmother. Yeah. She wasn't uh, very. She, you know, she identifies as a Christian, but wasn't very like religious. Yeah. And didn't go to our church and kind mm. of thought the whole thing like. She and my grandfather kind of had this like. Always had this look on their faces whenever it was mentioned. Like, oh crap! What yeah. is this? Yeah. Everyone in our extended family did. They were all kind of equally horrified your parents were like first generation yeah they just like they 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 got saved when i was seven yeah and so like until i was seven like i had never gone to church 
And then all of a sudden they were like, hey, got, hey kids, we got saved. <laughs> and <laughs> you're screwed. <laughs> we got saved and you got screwed. <laughs> yeah. huh. So it kind of like everything kind of shifted overnight. So yeah. like everybody around us, like our extended family, we pulled away from them. Like we stopped going to our family reunions. We stopped spending holidays with them. You know, it was very isolated. Um, but I still saw them enough to know that they were all like, what the fuck is happening here? You know, they were horrified by it. So my grandparents kind of like walked this line with us where they would like kind of try to like show us normal things and give us normal mm-hmm. things, but never so much that yeah, it would like, they would get cut off that they would get cut off. Yeah. Or like, cause my other, one of my grandmothers like threatened to try to, she tried to have me and my brother taken away from my parents. Like when they started mm-hmm. homeschooling us, cause they thought that was like child abuse. Yeah. And so, like, they first they offered to pay to put us in a Christian school. My parents were like, no. And then they they threatened to hire a lawyer to get custody of us because they didn't want us to be homeschooled. And so we didn't talk to them for a really, really long time. And it's, um, and so I think my other grandparents were kind of like, we're on notice. Like, don't say anything. Hmm. Are they, are they, are they still around any of them? Yeah, they're yeah. all, well, okay. my, one of my grandfathers has passed away, but yeah. most of them, they're okay. all, this, the, the sad thing about it, I have to say, and this is on me, um, is that like my grandparents that, that threatened to take us away, I didn't really see them growing up because yeah. of that. And so I don't feel very close to them. And so there's that kind of, there's, there's that kind of sadness there of like recognizing that someone was looking out for you, mm. but it resulted in you just kind of thinking of that person as a stranger because you yeah you never spent time with them they must they must be really psyched over you though right i mean that you're <laughs> well that the, you got out the irony is is that they're now super christian oh <laughs> i see one they, in one out yeah yeah one yeah. in one out so like now they're all like yay jesus and yeah. like my grandmother like she blocked me on facebook because i had posted something like I had posted a joke about a Mitt Romney, and she like wrote this long diatribe about how what a horrible person I was, and then blocked me. Your on grandma Facebook. blocked you on Facebook. Yeah, my, my grandma and my mom are oh. have me blocked. I'm sure there's other people too, yeah. but there's people I know for sure <laughs> blocked me on Facebook. <laughs> my grandma and my mom. Thanks, guys. <laughs> so, so like New York of all places. Yeah. How did you end up here? I moved to New York. I. Um, I uh, when I graduated from college, I I wanted to get a PhD and be a professor. That mm-hmm. was like my life plan because that was like my adolescent rebellion. Was yeah. like I'm going to get as much education as yeah. I can. Watch me. Even <laughs> the fact that you went to educated the fact I that you went to college at all is pretty <laughs> impressive, given everything that came before it. Yeah, I'm glad you're taking that approach because like. People either react to it in, like, either they say, wow, that's impressive, or they yeah. say, like, oh, well, it couldn't have been that bad, you know? <laughs> and so it's like it's like a lose-lose. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so I, I, I moved to New York to get a PhD, and I was in a PhD program for uh, five years. To, to be a, a, a doctor, like a medical doctor? No, like just... a literature professor. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think we're quite – I don't I, – I, uh, I rebounded quite well. I don't think I rebounded – biology well <laughs> yeah yeah third grade math medical doctor <laughs> I, I, phd in general is a pretty is you know is a pretty lofty goal i yeah. didn't know how far you're going in that direction. <laughs> yeah um i i don't think yeah because like that kind of stuff is definitely was definitely off the table for me because it's like you can make up for certain things but yeah. i had a third grade education in math like the 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 most advanced math I know how to do is division. So, 
like that's, being again a, like most of us yeah yeah but like yeah. being a doctor it's sure, like sure. oh yeah. no you know and like science there was no science yeah. in my home school other than like creation science as as you said before <laughs> unfortunately we didn't get this on my friends but as you said before your mom doesn't believe in dog breeds but yeah no dog breeds so like the idea is that yeah. uh, I hope she doesn't listen she's going to kill me does she um, listen to a lot of podcasts I don't think so okay. no I have right. no, I have no idea okay. she listened to one that I did one time and was just outraged by it um yeah. but the but yeah but she she just, she believes like that god just said like and let there be poodles and let there be labradoodles <laughs> let there be i really you know, i kind of like the, this like, like this it? i this this vision of like garden of eden or like the ark right with all these like different with all the all rates. the dogs all the yeah. different domesticated well, that would have made it nicer to be yeah. stuck in that boat i would think so yeah for a while it's um, funny. <laughs> it's funny stuff. Uh, the, I mean, so 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 literature. I mean, did you just like just dive in and read everything that you could? Yeah, I mean, I always really enjoyed reading, and I think that that is was my savior. Yeah. in a way, because I kept reading. And were you were you allowed to read non Bible things? Uh it was it was yes yes and no. You know, um, there was like. There were definitely like things that like my parents were like that's that's sure. wrong, but books were mostly yeah. not okay. bad. But like yeah. we weren't supposed to read things like I think my mom read Portnoy's Complaint when she was in high school, and so she was like, "That's an evil book." You it, know? It, it might be an evil book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a pretty rough I think book. Philip Roth's sense of humor. It's just yeah, evil. that's a pretty. I you know what's funny about that book is you know I remember you know I I uh, my uh, my family's Jewish, so like. When, and when I was growing up, they would have all like you know like the good, great like seventies like eighties like Jewish books or a lot of Philip Roth books. And I remember finally like seeing these on my my grandfather's shelves all these years, and then finally sitting down and reading Portnoy's Complaint mm-hmm. and just being like, "Holy shit! Like this is the thing! Like I can't believe that he read this! Like yeah. this is this is one of the filthiest things." And there's something, I mean, there's something interesting in literature that like maybe because it's not as like visually graphic you can get away with so much more oh yeah like that is a it's great but it's it's a dirty dirty book yeah absolutely i mean there's like some great examples of that like in the the original novel of the joy luck club Mm. by amy tan one of the characters has an abortion Mm. because she's in this abusive marriage and so she's like i don't want my child to be raised by an abuser so she has an abortion when they adapted that into a film they were like well we can't have a character have an abortion so the character drowns her baby in the bathtub instead so there's a scene where her husband beats her up and then she drowns the baby in the bathtub and so the movie executives were like this is less controversial (laughs) if she just drowns the yeah yeah yeah. we don't have to say the a word she's just gonna drown a living child just drown a living child right so this kind of a funny thing like the the movie it is a kind of funny thing but yeah I was able to read more and I read a lot and always loved reading uh, which is one of the reasons I think that I am a articulate mm. person and mm-hmm. I think also reading gives you a window into the outside world yeah. you know you kind of realize that there's there's more to the world sure. than you know the Bible and I read the Bible like many 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 times over I, I would argue that I'm probably in the top 100 on the planet and <laughs> like number of number of times i've read that book front to cover 
But uh, what, what are your thoughts as as the uh, with the Bible as a work of literature? As a work of literature, as a work of literature, it's a great piece of literature, particularly like the uh, the King James translation. Mm. Like the prose is is really beautiful. Yeah. I mean, there's huge swaths of it that are so incredibly boring, though. Like the the uh, lineages, the, the lineages, and, yeah. and then like all the laws mm-hmm. and Leviticus and Deuteronomy, like all the all the like very specific yeah. laws. And then there's just like you know, kind of like the the odd like pro you know like the odd like psalm not the psalms the psalms are beautiful but there's other books in like the old testament that are kind of like yeah and then you just like paul is just scolding people for like 200 pages like 500 pages it's some pretty just, rough laws in there. yeah paul's yeah. just like women are terrible gays yeah. are terrible it's a lot of stoning right there's a lot of stoning yeah. a lot of like don't have sex with animals which i think is fair, fair enough it's, it's fair enough, but it's like, that's a problem. I'm like, you have to mention that. I, feel I think like... it might have been a problem at that point. I think when that book was written, that, that was probably pretty rampant. It's, yeah, it's, it's just funny, though, because I feel like if we were going to come with a, like a law book now, yeah. that wouldn't be in like the top sure. 200. To be fair, I think that is in our law book. It I think is. don't have sex with animals <laughs> is, still in, is still in the law don't book. Don't do that. Yeah. It's bad. Um, did, did you ever, did you ever, did you ever feel like you were kind of getting something over on somebody by being able to read these books? <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> I, I felt so grotesquely, it's something I'm really ashamed of. I felt so grotesquely like intellectually superior to like yeah. all the girls at my church because most of the people at my, a lot of the kids that I grew up with were kind of borderline functionally illiterate, you know, and just not really being educated and really... And when I was like a teenager, you know, we'd sit in our Bible study class and we'd go around reading a verse and I would read my verse like fluently yeah. out loud. And then the person next to me would be like, oh, and yeah. you'd be sounding out words. And I'd be sitting there thinking like, oh, you idiot, you're such a piece of garbage. And then now I think about that and you I'm like, you with your third grade you're education. You're a terrible <laughs> person. No, I just think you're a terrible person, Brooke. Yeah. Like, yeah. you, like, you know, like, you but you don't realize these kids aren't being taught how to yeah. do anything. You just think like, oh, why am I with these idiots? And then you get older and you're like, oh crap, this is something really horrible was happening to them. And I'm I'm the luck. I'm not better. I'm just lucky, you know. When when did when did horrible come into the picture? When did you realize that like there was actual? I mean that this was abuse that was going on. Um, I think, you know, when I was like a teenager is when I kind of started to realize that I kind of became kind of obliquely aware that, you know, there was like some sexual and other kinds of abuses going on in my friends. You were still in the midst of it. Yeah, in my friends' homes, you know, um, so like they would confide in me, not, never in, never in an explicit way, because like we didn't really know how to talk about those things, but they would say things Hmm. and like imply imply things or we talk about it in kind of hushed tones like late at night you not, not only didn't know how to talk about it but i i suspect like you know th- thought it was evil to talk about it absolutely and you think that person is evil yeah. you think that person we were you know, we were raised to believe that women are responsible for men being attracted to them and so if a guy is attracted to you and you've made him lust you're at fault you know and so even if that person is your older brother or your father Jesus. or another man yeah. in the church you're the one who's at fault you know and so it was such a difficult thing to talk about but it came a, i really became aware of that then and then there was kind of this sundering in my family in which like my older brother was uh kind of like started seeing a girl in our church kind of in secret because they nobody was allowed to see each other and so they were see, they were kind of sneaking mm. around 
And that led to a lot of really awful things like happening in my family. And so I kind of just like, I just, you know, I saw like their relationship and I thought they love each other. I don't understand why that's a bad thing, you know? And so you just kind of get a little bit older and you kind of become more aware of what's going on and you kind of come aware, you start having desires and it just, it was kind of a, like a lot of things. Yeah. Constellation of things. Uh, yeah, I mean, you told God, the, you told one story. I, I mean, that that really st- that stands out in in the uh, the article. That I mean, that I suspect must have been a real kind of awakening. You were you were telling a, a story about a woman who wouldn't have chemotherapy. Yeah, which was just like I, I I can't imagine a worse thing than that. Yeah, I mean, I think you know that actually happened some years after I after I left. Okay. Um, this is a it was a friend of mine's uh family but yeah she she you know felt very overwhelmed by you know you you lose your personhood you know you mm-hmm. don't have any control over what you do or who you are your husband tells you what to do and then you have all these children that you're responsible for like 24 hours yeah. a day you know you don't have babysitters you don't send those kids to school i mean it's like 24 hours a day with like nine children in a very small space and no money and then a husband who comes home and yells at you and it's like time to have sex with me you know it's like that's that's a that's a bleak yeah. bleak bleak existence and, you know, I didn't want that for myself. And I, I feel tremendous sadness and sorrow for the people who've, uh, who have chosen that, you know. And that was one of the reasons I, I wanted to speak out about it is because I, I think we think of those kinds of that kind of treatment of women as being something that happens not in our culture. Mm. But it is something that happens in huge portions of our culture. And if we're not honest about it, then it's never going to change, you know. And you, how many siblings do you have? I just have the one. Just the one. Okay. Just the one. Yeah. So your your mom got off easy. <laughs> she did. She did. Well, like I said, you know what was what's good for the parent isn't always good for the child. Yeah. So I was supposed to have lots, but my mom was. I think I I you know we never really talked about it, but I I suspect there was yeah. there was birth control at is, play. Is 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 he is he still involved? No, okay. my my brother he kind of left because he had the the thing with uh, the girl who oh, okay. was unapproved. Yeah, and they ended up getting married and were married for a very long time, um, but they kind of moved away. But there was this funny thing where, like, for a decade, my brother was like pretending to still be like this. Christ- we would like hang out like by <laughs> ourselves, and he would like be drinking and cursing yeah. and like going crazy. <laughs> and then, and then, like, my parents would walk in, and he'd be like, "Praise Jesus, let's yeah. pray," you know. And so he was like actually acting still in front of them, like whenever they yeah. were around, and it took him so took him such a long he time. Was in the closet. Yeah, he was in the closet, yeah. right? And it was kind of funny because we'd have this thing where, like, we'd all go, we'd go visit my parents for like a, a like a holiday or something, and they would all get up and go to church, and I would just flat out refuse. I would just say, I'm not going to church, mm-hmm. and that would of course cause huge problems because everyone's like, well, you know, but I'm like, I'm not stepping, I'm not stepping into the yeah. door, you know. Sorry. So they would all go off to church, and they come back, and then my brother would like be alone with me, and he'd be like, oh. Oh, you're so lucky. And I'm like, I'm getting hated on for like yeah. being on it. You yeah. know, it was kind of like, there was like yeah. this funny thing where I was the bad child and I was the one that everybody hated and was ashamed of because I was just the one that was honest about how I felt versus kind of like putting on the show. Um, and so that always kind of rubbed me the wrong way. But eventually he came out and like called my parents on the phone and was like, I'm an atheist. And <laughs> my parents were like, did you know when did that happen? And I'm like, I've known for ten years. Yeah. 
<laughs> he really he came out. Yeah, he really did. Yeah. And they were they were really they were surprised. That was the thing that kind of blew me away was mm. that they were surprised. I thought that he was so good at Yeah, yeah. I thought they had figured it out. Like, or maybe they were just like, you know, like like let, we lost one already. Let's right. kind of pretend. Yeah, and like the last time I saw my the last time I saw my mom, she said to me, you know, like I pray and ask God every day what I did mm. that that you're the result and like so she believes that like there's that she at some point commits yeah. some kind of sin and so me turning away from god is her punishment for her sin mm. and so that's like a big cross to bear yeah you know, it, there's to mix there's still a lot of guilt there you to, to, to use a oh god yes. yeah you think yeah <laughs> yeah i mean, I mean and, and you know and they're uh, is there still is there still a little doubt in, in terms of like you know the, I mean these these were things that you were taught at such a young, young age were so fundamental you know the, the ideas of good and evil right I mean there still must be a little doubt there's so much there's a lot of doubt there's a lot of doubt yeah. there's not a lot of doubt about like I believe in my heart that I'm doing the right thing for myself and my life. Mm-hmm. And I believe in my heart that I'm a good person regardless of the fact that whatever yeah. that means, yeah. but that I'm, I'm adding things to the world, not, not hurting sure. people. Sure. I guess that's at the basic level. But at the same time too, there's all these little things, you know, like there's that you'll, I don't know that I'll ever be rid of, you know? So like, uh, for example, um, you mentioned being Jewish this summer. I attempt for a couple of days at a, at a synagogue. Mm-hmm. And, like, the first morning was this big brunch, and Donna Karen, the fashion designer, was there. And she was, like, teaching these, like, society ladies about how to use Twitter, you know. (laughs) And then halfway through the lunch, like, this kind of sweaty, fat rabbi gets up and, like, pushes Donna Karen out of the way. And he starts screaming at everybody in the room, and he's like, you... You need to put your children in Jewish day school or you're a letdown to, you know, generations yeah. who've suffered. And he just goes on this tirade. And I'm sitting in the back of the room and I looked, you know, and I realized, like, first off, that this is an ambush, right? <laughs> they, it's a like, trap, yeah. Yeah, it's like a Trojan yeah. Donna Karen. <laughs> yeah. Trojan Jews. It's a Trojan, yeah. yeah, it's a Trojan Donna Karen, like, tricking them. <laughs> but then my, my first immediate reaction, even though, like, I've never been in a synagogue in my entire life, was the rabbi is right. These fake-ass Jews need to get in yeah. line and, like, yeah. do the right thing. And I realized I had this kind of, I was like appalled at myself. And I realized like there's a part of me that's still a fundamentalist. There's a part of me that's still like is going to naturally gravitate to like the most extreme person in the room. And that was kind of a big eye opener for me and kind of horrifying. I had, you know, I'm from from California, so I I didn't interact with a lot of Hasidic Jews. There are (laughs) a ton of them in Northern California. But, you know, obviously there are a lot in Brooklyn I, and I was uh, walking down the street with um, a friend and you know there are a bunch of Hasidic Jews and you know I, I think I like I made some comment about kind of like feeling sorry for like you know the, like the women and she's and, and she turned to me and said well you know they probably feel the same about you and that was like <laughs> so, you know it was like it was definitely a moment where like something like kind of opened up a little bit I was like oh yeah you're yeah. right like they probably feel a lot worse that we're I don't know it saves not really the right word when you're talking about Jews but right but you know, they're not following the law yeah yeah that they um 
you know, that, that we're that we're kind of the lost ones. Yeah, I mean, we did that a lot at our church. It was kind of like everyone else is. Yeah. Those are the sad people, and those yeah. are the people you know that you 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 need to feel sorry for everyone. We were taught that you know, like feel sorry for the people that aren't. Did you proselytize at all? Oh yeah. yeah. Oh my god. Did you have to go door to door? No, I didn't. Never went door to door. We had to like do um, like standing on the side of the road with like anti-abortion signs. Oh, wow. We yeah. pi- we picketed the. You held like the fetus pictures. Yeah, the fetus wow. pictures, and then we. Um, I think I think of abortion kills was the charming charming mm-hmm. slogan, <laughs> mm-hmm. and then we like picketed we picketed the Gets opening the of the Last Temptation of Christ, the Scorsese film yeah. uh, at the movie yeah. theater, yeah. like because we were like no, so we did things like that, and then like I think the most obnoxious thing was just like I feel I feel so guilty about this and so embarrassed about it now, but like my parents would always make a big deal to us about how to me my brother about how my grandparents weren't saved and they were going to hell but i really loved my grandparents Mm -hmm. so i wanted them to go to heaven and so i would always make these little childish obnoxious kind of ham-fisted attempts to like preach to them about jesus you know when i was at their house or something or make these little comments and i can't even imagine like what a 75 year old like world war ii veteran is like sitting there thinking about this little six-year-old girl being casually slip it into the conversation this little six-year-old girl who's like you're going to hell grandpa you need jesus Mm. i think about that now and i am filled with just like just such intense shame but at the same time too like you it also it's like I did it because I loved yeah. them and I wanted them to go to heaven with us, you know, and that was, that was such a deep sorrow in my life as a child was, mm. was thinking of these people that I loved and that loved me as sinners and that they're going to go to hell and they're going to burn in hell, you know, and it was a very difficult emotionally, they emotionally to deal with. Was, was there any, do you have any, you know, comedy in your life I and mean, you couldn't really watch like you know, movies and probably weren't exposed to stand up. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I've thought a lot about like when is the first time that I saw stand up. I uh, we would go when we were at my grandparents' house. We would watch a lot of we would watch TV there, and we watched like some Saturday Night Live, like the old stuff. Mm-hmm. My uncle had like the old like VHS tapes of like the best of. 1978 kind sure. of thing you know it's only like an hour yeah. or two hours long yeah really cutting it yeah stuff. just like a compilation yeah. of the the sketches so i remember like watching those and really loving those um but i definitely you know wasn't um exposed to like huge amounts of comedy uh growing up you know so that's kind of an interesting thing yeah. too is like i i meet people who are comics and they know every single line of every single like major special and i'm kind of like oh, i don't know that were, were you were you discouraged from being funny oh of course <laughs> of course i was discouraged i was discouraged from talking i was discouraged from being funny i was really discouraged from being smart that mm. was that was the thing that kind of drove my mom through the wall yeah. was like and those things go Yeah, those things are kind of intertwined. And so like that was like the big thing that I would always get lectured. I would always get in trouble when we would do a church thing because my mom would always tell me like, you need to stop talking to men and you need to stop like trying to show boys that you're intel that you think you're Mm -hmm. so smart and you need to stop like dominating conversations like that was a huge thing that I got. I got in trouble for that countless times growing up. And so they were like, don't talk. Don't be smart. (laughs) You know, like, my mom was always like, just don't, like, you can be smart, but just don't, like, 
don't like show off you're always showing off and you know and you know little things like that so like what i'm doing is absolutely like the anathema of like what i was told i should be but i think it's like who i kind of naturally it was like the things in myself that i always liked they were just the things that i was told don't do that you know so so you moved to new york to go to school Uh uh-huh when do you first get up on stage Ah, I got it like it was two about it was a little over two years ago and I I would have never thought that was something that I could do. I just I started writing the book and the book was funny and I would read it to friends and I would love like hearing people laugh, you know, Mm -hmm. at like something that I wrote that was funny. And um, I kind of, you know, got the idea of like, well, maybe I should give stand up a try. Uh, and I tried it and I just kind of fell in love with it. Mm. Got addic- it's like it's like an addiction, you know, it's such a high and it feels so great. Um, and so it just chasing that high, that first high again, I guess. Well, what were your what, what, what were the early jokes like? Oh, the early jokes were so bad. The early jokes were so bad. Um, give me some. Fire give me some. some. The first one was like, um, uh, I had a stupid like whole bit that I'd written out about like uh, the dangers of googling yourself. Mm. You know, so mm-hmm. so. Bad. What are the What are the dangers of googling yourself? Oh, like I made a joke about the fact that like I had a a bunch of like really raunchy comments on my rate my professors.com really dumb and that like some x-files fan fiction that i wrote when i was a teenager is <laughs> still on the internet yeah. which is not true it was just yeah. really bad it was well, that, really i mean that's bad. like that's like again that's you sort of like kind of like trying to prove to people that you're you grew up in kind of a normal situation yeah right? yeah yeah i right. wrote fan fiction damn yeah, it yeah. <laughs> and then like the, i i i tried to do this like the care i did this character for like a little oh. bit that like this character who like doesn't know she's performing stand-up she just kind of like wandered in mm-hmm. like that's original a little right? anti-comedy yeah. Yeah. a little anti-comedy she yeah. just wandered in and she's kind of like going on this uh this kind of like rant about how she was molested as a child um but this is so embarrassing but um but that like the person that molested her but her father has like an identical twin so she wasn't sure if it was him which one it was that did it dark it was really dark yeah yeah i have a very dark sense of humor yeah um but but that was like the first thing the first time i did that you could hear a pin drop yeah. in the room. And like, I got off stage and people were like refusing to look at me. They were just like, oh, oh. Uh, this is really bad. So when did, you, when did you know that you weren't terrible? Uh, I think, you know, when I, when, I, when I first started, I had this dumb thing. Ironically enough, this kind of circles back. I had this dumb thing where I was like, everyone just does autobiographical stuff. Like, I'm not going to do autobiographical stuff. Yeah. And so I tried to do like... My story's not that interesting. It's not that interesting, you know. And the, well, I mean, you go to mics and you hear so many dumb yeah. people just narcissistically ram- ranting yeah, but their at story, you. Their stories aren't interesting. Their like, stories are about watching Star Wars movies. Yeah, yeah. Like, you, yeah, yeah. And how much they hate women. Yeah. <laughs> and you just like want to kill yourself. Yeah. So I was like, I don't want to be like that. And then I started like, I started this like one joke about uh, being, started to write a couple of jokes about being from Texas and kind of playing off sure. Texas. And then those started getting a lot of laughs. So then I kind of started digging a little bit more yeah. and more. And it actually was when I got real and started talking about who I am that it, 
that I started to realize, oh, I'm actually really good at this, yeah. and oh, I'm actually can make a whole room of people laugh, and I can make a whole people room, room of people remember me and be interested in what I'm saying, and like, so it was when I kind of like broke down and got a little bit real and stopped doing ridiculous characters and ridiculous yeah. like elaborate faux sets that it kind of got good or compelling i think but it's it's not like the um the the the, the articles kind of completely split it open you were slowly heading yeah. in that direction i was kind of heading in that direction and i had like i definitely was and i had wanted to do a solo show um but i you know yeah, but I didn't. I didn't. Ex- I guess the thing with the article is that I I expected more that like I would get get more attention or like be known for like the comedy or the the solo show, and I and and, and that's more the tone that I want to go. And it's a little similar to the book, whereas yeah. the article is like like you said, it's a very serious piece, and so yeah. it's very odd to be like known for this very serious thing when you're trying not to be trying to be serious but not serious. I think people conflate those things i mean like if you look at george carlin his comedy is serious sure. but it's still funny yeah louis ck's comedy is serious sure. but it's still funny you know yeah but not like a woman wouldn't do chemo because she <laughs> <laughs> like, that might be that might be a little out of reach that might be yeah. i don't know i think louis ck could make people laugh yeah, at it yeah, maybe. he's, got he's a been gift. doing it for a long time he he has a special gift yeah i don't it, i think it's unquantifiable i've studied this a lot because i have dark humor yeah. and there's tricks that you can use to make people laugh sure. at things that they don't want to laugh at and that takes a little negotiation but you can do it but I think he's just got a special gift that I've never that I don't know that can be replicated. I think he can make people laugh at anything. I think I think doing something for a long time helps a lot. I yeah. mean, his, you know, his, his I don't know how much of his early stand up you've seen, but he was so just so awful. Yeah, he was just absurdist and he kind of yeah. went up and made noises and stuff and yeah. he's like he took he took a really long time to yeah. figure out who he was, but obviously when he did it was it was good. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, you know, stand-up is... I don't think stand-up is a young person's game. Yeah. You know, it, it. you have to have so much... It is It is really difficult. It's a really difficult thing to do. Um, you know, you have to have the tenor just right, and the joke's just mm-hmm. right, and the performance just right, and the delivery just yeah. right, and you got to read the read the room and figure out what is the room, sure. what does the room want, how can I make it work in this room? There's so much. And I just, like, I think a lot of young people who I think when you're young, like in your early twenties or something like that, you might be not developed enough as a person and aware enough to like really kind of make that. Yeah. Well, it's like that work. And so I think that's why some people who, even if they start young, they don't get good until they're like old. Well, I think it goes beyond that too. And I think it's like any other, any other kind of art form when you start out, you know, when, when you start out playing music, you do cover songs and you, you sound like the bands that you like and it, and even lo- it, it, it takes even longer to figure out the stamp you're putting on it than right. it does to like read a room and all these other things to figure out like what sort of unique thing you're bringing to the table. Like at the same time, I, you know, and wonder if there was a fear that like, you know, cause, cause, uh, I think, um, I think some of the press stuff you had going around was like real life Kimmy Schmidt, you know, like, and, and th- there's gotta be a little bit of a fear that like, you know, now that now that the article's out there, now you've got the book coming out that like that's kind of going to be your thing for a while. Absolutely, I mean, I'm yeah. terrified of that. I hate the real life Kimmy Schmidt thing too. Yeah. Like, thanks, Salon. Thanks, Salon. Sure, <laughs> but I mean, you know, but but also like fair enough, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think the thing about it is, 
I've thought about this a lot. Yeah. And I think that there are people like, like we were just talking about Louis C.K., uh, Amy Schumer, Tig Notaro, Chris mm-hmm. Rock, who got known for doing a certain type sure. of thing or a certain set or a certain kind of material. And then once they are known, they're able, they have successfully gone and done other things. Mm-hmm. So I think you can do that. Um, and I hope to do that. I hope to, you know, be more than that. But of course, that's a huge fear yeah. of mine. And I'm terrified of that, that idea that like, that's the only interesting sure. thing about me or that's the only thing. It is a very interesting thing. Thank you. <laughs> but, but you know what I mean? That it's yeah. like, that's the only thing I have to offer. Yeah. And that of course in itself would be, you know, a, hugely sad thing for me to like know that this thing that you worked so hard to get away from and to heal yourself from and to like recover from is like the only thing about you yeah it's like that the world is interested in you well know? it's that's, a it's that's, a, that's a funny thing it's it's yeah. yeah i mean it's a double-edged sword obviously yeah. because like but but also the world is interested yeah you know <laughs> there there's that that's good <laughs> yeah i mean <laughs> that's, you that's know it's step. really really hard especially yeah. in new york to get anybody to pay attention I, you know, I really think that I have, you know, interesting things to say other than, other than this, but I don't think that it's also, you know, I I feel like with the, not to sound vain or self-aggrandizing, but I, I, you know, at one point it felt very vain and very shallow and very proud to like even ever think. I could write a book. Mm-hmm. I could perform. Like yeah. that is like that is that you want to talk about like going against yeah. the way that you're yeah. raised. It's the that took so much, you know, just to get to that point. Um and I remember like at one point um thinking about artists that had had a big impact on me and like Tori Amos, for example, like when I was young and I stole shoplifted one of her cassettes, you know, and I was like listen to it. Oh, you really you, Yeah, yeah, yeah. You really were a big evil kid. I really was. I was not only was it Tori Amos, yeah, it was shoplifted. Like, yeah. Well, I wouldn't have been able to. Buy no, it. I know, but like you, you know, uh, I've gone to see Tori in concert quite a few times. Yeah. I've, I've paid her back, sure. <laughs> but uh, I, you know, I remember like listening to her album Little Earthquakes when I was a teenager and thinking like, oh, you know, um, someone understands how I feel, mm. and like feeling that for the first time that somebody understood how I felt. And I saw her in concert a couple years ago here in New York. And it was right, it was like maybe a month after I'd started really pursuing comedy. And I remember watching her perform and thinking like, if I could just have that, just like have the impact on one person someday that she's had on me, then I'll feel fulfilled. And I, you know, when I wrote the article and so many people reached out to me that had similar backgrounds, I realized that I I had had that because so many people were like writing me and saying, I thought I was the only one. Well, I think that I think part of the reason why why it was successful is because the tone wasn't, you know, here's my crazy story. It was like, hey, this thing that's happening right now is really fucked up. Yeah. (laughs) Like, let's 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 take a look at this wacky reality show that everybody's laughing at. Yeah. And I wanted to be like a whistleblower. That was very much my intention, you know, and. And I got a lot of nasty letters from people who were saying, like, oh, you're trying to, like, smear your family publicly for attention. And you're trying to do this yeah. and you're trying to do this. But that really wasn't my atten- intention at all. And I, I worked very – I worked very – I was very careful in that article not to personally bash anybody or to give, like, any really identifying information yeah. so that, like, it wasn't a smear thing because it's not – what I wanted well, to yeah, do. And you don't you feel wanted... like your parents are evil. I don't. No, not at all. Not they at all. They were 
trying to do their best. They were trying right? to do their best. It just didn't. Yeah. It just didn't work out so well for me, you know. And and that's hard too because you don't want to. You don't want to. You know, write things or, or say things that hurt are hurtful to people that you love. But then at the same time, too, you have to be. I do feel this need to be honest mm-hmm. because I think people aren't honest about those things, you know, and I think that maybe that's one of the things that I kind of want to get to with the comedy is like, this is a difficult thing to talk about, but if we talk about it, then we don't feel so alone. You know, people realize, Hey, this, I've had this happen too, you know, and there are people who don't have the same, didn't grow up religious at all, but maybe their parents rejected them because they were gay Mm -hmm. or their parents rejected them because of something like that. And they had to kind of make their own life. And they've written me and said, like, I really, I related to this, you know? And so I think it's, you know, I think there's like universal emotional experiences that you can kind of like tap into that are a bit beyond like the, the kind of particular trappings. And they're heightened by the nature of the fact that they are actually heightened. Right. Right. right? I mean, they're already like, they're, they're already these things that, you know, to somebody who Uh, couldn't be gay when they were younger, like it it is kind of cartoonish in a way. Right. Or to somebody like who had strict parents or like had religious parents, like it's, inherently heightened to them right absolutely and that's that's kind of the funny thing about it is like it's like it just kind of makes more explicit that i think a lot of dynamics that already exist right so there's a lot of girl like young women right who might feel like well my parent my parents really never encouraged me to go to college as much as my they encouraged my brother they never really Mm -hmm. encouraged me to like have a career like they encouraged my brother and like that's just kind of a normal thing and like a product of like lingering sexism in our culture but like for me it was like explicit <laughs> like your brother's yeah. going to college you're sitting your ass at home yeah. you know that kind of thing so it is a heightened version of what i think are still a lot of like underlying issues and like a lot of underlying like social issues and family dynamics are you do you do you do you tell your parents when you've got like a you know like are you going to talk to them about the the book or the or these 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 various accomplishments that you've had, do you is there a direct line of communication around them? No, we don't talk yeah. about those things. Like um, it's interesting. Like my parents have never mentioned the article to me. Hmm. I know they read it. You know they I read know, it. Yeah. I know they read it. I know they saw it. I mean, it was posted on my Facebook. Like every every Facebook friend I have like tagged me yeah. in a share of yeah. it. Um, so like I know they saw it, but they've never acknowledged it at all in any way, which is weird. Um, and also was its own kind of odd uh, experience because I was trying to figure out. my a sleep whimper. That's my chihuahua's yeah. yawning or snoring. <laughs> um, but like the only time they ever mentioned it to me was my dad. Uh, I t- I sent my dad a message telling him that I was getting all this really nasty hate mail in my web from my website and I had chased the IP address and it was my hometown <laughs> and the person obviously knew knows yeah. me they know me yeah. I know the person knows me and so I mentioned it to my dad and he said well maybe it was somebody from our church because I got a lot of angry phone calls when you post when you published that article and that's the only time he's ever mentioned it to hmm. me is I got angry phone calls because of you um, but he's never said you know like the weird thing is like if I feel like I would hope that like in a situation the parent would like sit the child down and even if you don't agree with them yeah. you would say like i'm sorry i made you feel this way <laughs> or i'm sorry that you feel that this was this or let's talk about it but there was there's no there's no open communication about it so it's just like something we don't talk about and that's really that's really difficult for me because then i wonder you know like well what do i do when i 
do an interview yeah you know or do yeah. i want them to hear it or do i not want them to hear it you know and that's something that i kind of constantly or is there i mean kind of it's constantly like you know, churning in my brain and, and, and is there anything that you you could feasibly do that would make them proud yeah i don't know yeah i don't know uh, probably shoot out not. a couple kids <laughs> oh, oh that's the only one <laughs> That's the only one. Yeah, you know that's funny because I, I that's the that's the kind of the funny thing is like you you don't want to do things. It's kind of like even if I like never wrote anything in the public eye, completely disappeared. Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm not like going to the ch- their church and having a bunch of kids, then they're not proud of me. So I might as well just do whatever I want. Yeah. But you can't. I I can't quite get there yet. So yeah, we'll see. You can't. You can't go home again. I don't think so. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, I mean, you can't, it's kind of like Pandora's box. Yeah. You can't put the girl, you can take the, you can't put the girl, like, back into the... Sure. I'm not going to, like, go back to wearing long dresses tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and give up everything. And I can't be uneducated. <laughs> but I mean, I mean, like, literally. Yeah. Can you go home again? Oh, literally. Can I go home again? Yeah. Oh, uh, can we not answer that one right now? <laughs> All right, next time. Next time. I mean, I things are things are difficult, yeah. and we're not really in a lot of communication, and I don't have any plans to go home right now. But that's a sad thing. That it's just sad. All right, tell me something happy. I don't want to end on that. Yeah. <laughs> what, what would What's, be happy? Well, what, what can a uh, plug a thing maybe? Plug a thing. Yeah. Okay. So I, I did adapt this story into a solo show, mm-hmm. which I know solo shows are the most masturbatory, disgusting. Sure. It's in the name. It's it's awful. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's a solo show. Yeah. But it is. There's something kind of icky. Sure. There's something sure. icky about the solo show. But I think I wrote a really great one <laughs> about this experience. It's called Growing Up Fundy, and it's mm. a... It's a mixed storytelling and stand-up. So it's a funny, but also, I think, moving and sad version of the story. So I think it does a... It's 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 a little funnier than, like, the, the article, um, but it still has kind of, like, sad moments. Yeah. It still kind of tries to talk about the experience, honestly. And I'm going to run that at the New York Fringe Festival this coming summer. So I'm excited about yeah. that. It's it's a good um and I mean it's a good opportunity to I mean to work, it's obviously to workshop it yeah in front of people and to kind of figure out that balance between the yeah. really dark stuff and the funny stuff. I've performed it a couple of yeah. times and I feel like it's gone really well and I've done you know I've done three kind of workshop performances and made made changes here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think actually what I did was I actually, I think my tendency is to make things funnier than they need to be. So I actually, when I went and did the, yeah. the second rewrite was like, okay, we're going to like have some serious moments too, because people want, you know, they yeah. don't want just like a joke, 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 sure. joke, joke, joke. So yeah, it shouldn't be fun dash D. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's too, they don't want, they want yeah. too much fun. Well, that's kind of the funny thing, too. And I made that as, I made a joke about that and make a joke about that in the show mm-hmm. about how, like, mostly, like, if you're growing up in an extreme religious environment and you're being homeschooled, your life is really boring. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's, that's really like the, the one word that I, I adjective that I had to use to describe yeah. it was boring. Sure. <laughs> but nobody wants to hear about the boring stuff. They want to hear about the weird stuff. So I make the joke of like, all right, so here's an hour yeah. of the weird stuff. 
There you go. That's Brooke Arnold. Uh, easily, easily one of the most fascinating conversations that we've had in the history of this program, which I think is saying quite a bit. But holy geez, what a what a just a just a fun and, and, and interesting and, and educational and fascinating talk. Uh, if you want more information on this subject, you can check out her Salon article from back in May. It's called I Could Have Been a Duggar Wife, and that's obviously the, the, just 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 completely changed the life of a, uh, a struggling uh, struggling comedian in New York City. Um, also, some follow-ups on Salon as well. Uh, if you want more information on Brooke, including live shows, check out her website. It's brookearnold.com. Uh, thanks to Heidi at Shark Party for setting that up. Uh, thanks to Brooke's tiny dog for, for not biting me uh, at all during that conversation. Uh, it was a little... It was a little bit touch and go there at first, but um, we, we came to uh, an understanding and, and neither, neither ended up biting the other one. Uh, thanks to uh, Brian for editing the show together. Thanks to Mark and everybody at uh, Boing Boing, the Boing Boing Podcast Network. If you like this show, many other fine shows for you to check out over at boingboing.net. You can also check them out over at iTunes. And while you're over at iTunes, you should take the time to rate and review the show. If you liked what you heard, this is... Uh, uh, it's kind of uh, it's kind of the currency in the iTunes world. That's that's how we get to more folks to to sign up and agree to sit down with me in front of my microphone. Lots of good ones lined up. Uh, I just spoke to uh, Eleanor Friedberger this week. Uh, talked to to Adam Green last week. Lots of lots of great uh, cartoonists and musicians and and other fun folks. So uh, stick around. We will be back just about this time next week with another episode of RIYL. Mm-hmm.